0: It's really uh, Blueprint, I think most of you know, but Blueprint is actually short for b- the full name, which is Blueprint God's Design for Your Life, and so last year we spent actually about a year and a month it took us to go all the way through 1 Corinthians, and uh, the whole focus really, uh, as I found as we, were, as we were studying, is God was giving us his blueprint for, for the church. What really is a church? What makes up a church? What function does it serve? How should we live in the church? So now we're in the book of Galatians, and uh, he's focused primarily on the gospel, right? So what is the gospel? What isn't the gospel, which is just as good of a question. Um, How does it relate to the law? You know, all kinds of different things. And what should it look like again? What should it look like in our life? So the, the title for today's message is By Spirit faith. So if you have a Bible, you can open up with me to Galatians chapter 3, or you can read along on the, on the screen, and we're going to be reading through verses 1 through 14. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through it one time, and then we'll go back verse by verse. Paul says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly Portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith. But the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So what is truth? the question I want to start off with, right? What is truth? Now, it's kind of a complex answer simply because the answer depends on the subject. Truth about what, right? Truth about what? So tonight, as we we dig a little deeper into the truth about the gospel, what we're not going to ask is who is the Son of God? What is the only way into heaven? And how do we as Christians or how do how do we as people receive fulfillment in ourselves in this life and the one to come? We're not going to focus on that one, because as a group, for the most part, we've already answered that question. Those of us who are in Christ, we already know that Jesus is the only answer. Right. As we have heard. For those of you who have, we believed. As we believed, we experienced. And as we have experienced, so we have testified. So that no one can speak to me, at least, and say anything about blind faith. As we have believed, we have experienced. As we have experienced, we testify. And it's important for you uh, in this room who understand what I'm talking about. Not everyone does. But because Paul is going to call on that experience tonight. Tonight. So the question that we're really going to ask is, by what means do we accept Christ? In Jesus, by what means do we live a holy life? And by what means can we see his power unfold in our life? That's the true question that we're going to look at. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? That's really what this boils down to, guys. It's, uh, it's, it's all about spirit versus the law. So let me ask this. Let me get this thing out. I don't even know why I put it up there. I never leave it there. Why... Why does Paul bring the spirit even into this conversation? What does God's spirit have anything to do with this? Everything I heard someone say. Hmm. Okay. Everything is a good answer. As we believe in Jesus Christ, as you give your life to him, he gives you the gift of his Holy Spirit, literally the spirit of God to reside within you. And the only thing that is a guarantee for salvation, the only way we can answer the question, am I really saved, is do you possess the Holy Spirit? There is no other telltale sign. The Holy Spirit is the only way we receive what we hope for, everlasting life. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. And I'm going to have to read off the board with you all because I wasn't smart enough to actually put it in my notes like I usually do. So um, Ephesians 1, through 14 says in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Next verse, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased promise or possession to the praise of his glory. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. Until when? Until the redemption of that possession. Did we receive salvation? Did we receive forgiveness or the grace of God through through the law? How many of you in this room (laughs) even knew what the law was before Christ? Anybody? Not really, right? Maybe, may, what was it, the popo, the 5-0? Not that law. I bet you did know that law, right? Did we receive salvation by works? Who he, let, me, let me see a show of hands. Who here worked themselves into the kingdom? Because I want to see what your overtime looks like, <laughs> right? What, kinda, what kind of a pension plan did you build on that, right? Or did you simply experience a living God? And through that experience, become free from sin. That was my experience. I experienced a real God who really speaks, who really guides, who I know hears. Because when I pray crazy stuff that no one else knows, he comes through. That's a good God. That's a good God, man. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It'll be up on the board in just one second. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. The next verse, Romans 10, verse 17. So then, how are we saved? By faith? By the hearing of faith? So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Back to Galatians, back in verse 3. he Paul goes on to say, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by your flesh? You know, what's very interesting, guys, is as I've, uh, I've got a little bit of a personal tie, to the, well, I always have a personal tie to this message, I guess, but especially this week, I don't know about how God works with you, okay? But when God's trying to deal with something in my heart, I see it everywhere. It's like all over the place, okay? Likewise, when God gives me something to teach to someone, even if it's something, nothing new to me, right? He just gives me these seasons where it's like, here's your subject for the next month. I'm like, okay, what? So right now, that subject that he's giving me to share with people is is the issue of eternal, of, uh, eternal security is what they call it, Right? Once saved, always saved is kind of a, a, a familiar term, I think. And so that's the issue that I've really been, I've been dealing with. And there, there are some people, um, <laughs> some people I've been dealing with online, people I've known for a long time who don't believe that way. And as we've been having conversations, they've been getting really upset and they've been posting all these things. But this is what, this is what Paul is saying, right? So if none of you worked your way into the kingdom, if none of you, even tried to fulfill God's law, and yet he still loved you enough to accept you and give you his spirit? Where the heck does the flesh even have a place to boast? Right? It's funny, he says, having begun in the spirit. What does he mean by that? What does he mean begun? See, before I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, before I gave everything to him, I was dead. Amen. I was spiritually dead. I was lost in my sin, right? There was no way I could have done right even if I wanted to. There was no peace. There was no joy. There was no way of honestly standing up and saying, I know God. There was not e- it was not even in the realm of possibilities. Amen. In fact, the only thing that the law could do, is once you realize how screwed up you are, you screw up even more. All the law could ever do is put you in more bondage. The Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. When I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, at that moment, my life truly began. At that moment, salvation began in my life. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about, (laughs) there's nothing else to begin right? Having begun in the spirit this new life, are you now trying to be made perfect in the flesh? And the reason this is so important is because it's so easy for Christians to get caught up in performance. And that's not to say we should not be diligent for the kingdom, okay? Do not take that at all, is what I'm saying. But nothing you could do was good enough to save you. Amen. Nothing you can do is good enough to take God's power of salvation away from you. Amen. And the only thing, the only way you have of pleasing God is by walking in His Spirit. Jesus. His Holy Spirit is what gave us, what gave me that connection to God, right? Right? It's what delivers joy. It what's it's what allows us to please God and do all these things that guess what? You could have never done beforehand. Never. Can anybody can anybody besides me att- attest to that? Anybody? I got one, right? Anybody else? 2, 3. Okay, now hands are starting to come up. Okay, so I'm not I'm not a crazy man standing up here preaching some crazy foo foo, right? This is this is real. Okay? I might, well, I don't know. Maybe you can tell me afterwards. No. So check this out. I want y'all to look at something. This is in Acts 10, verses 24 through 48. Give y'all a second to turn there. Give myself a second to turn there. Look at that. And the following day, okay, so let me let me let me give back up a little bit. So Peter, right? He's out praying praising God, and suddenly God comes and speaks to him and tells him that, you know, these men are going to come to him. And to make a long story short, these men from a, from a Roman uh, soldier come to his house and tell him that God gave the Roman soldier a vision, okay, told him that Peter was going to come. And uh, so Peter goes along with these, uh, with these servants into Cornelius's house. And what's very important about this is, you know what the law says? You know what the Jewish customs say for a Jew, you are not allowed. You're not even allowed into a Gentile's house. Okay, and Paul's going to bring that up. But what's really interesting, just one of the things I want you to notice as we read this is. If. If our salvation is based on the works of the law. And he's breaking that law by entering this house, you know who gave him that commandment? God, and you know why he gave him that commandment? To declare freedom to those people who thought there was never going to be a way to have that same relationship with God as the Jews thought they had. Anyways, verse 24, and the following day they entered Caesarea, and uh, now Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called together his relatives and close friends And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for Jewish men to keep company with or go into uh, one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And your and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation... Whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to his children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who ordained who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all prophets. Yeah, to him, all prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. I want to just reread verse 44 one more time. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. What is the, the means of our salvation? What is the means of which we can have that intimate relationship with God. And guys, if you have been, if you have been striving and not seeing anything of it, if you've been pushing and found no rest, what is the means of finding fulfillment before God? It's resting in the Holy Spirit and letting Him have His work. Galatians 3, back to our, our main chapter, verses 4 through 7. He goes on to say, have you suffered so many things in vain, if it if it indeed was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him, uh, counted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So it's pretty interesting, right? So you have these people who are saying, no, 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 you still have to follow the law. And today, we don't really deal with that too much, right? There's not a whole lot of Jews around Kerrville trying to beat us over the head with the Torah. I mean, if you run into those people, just let me know at Street Corner, and I'll avoid that area. Okay. Oh, hey, actually, we got one. Look at that. We got a winner. Uh, Okay. But you know what we do have is we do have people who think that the only way to keep your salvation is by doing X, Y, and Z. And if your X, Y, and Z isn't as good as their X, Y, and Z, there's no hope. There's no hope. And that's truly what they believe. But it's interesting because you know why people were so astonished at Jesus when he walked this earth? What did Jesus do? Did Jesus do anything ameri- uh, amazing or or spectacular that we should we should know about? Let, let me hear some things. What did Jesus do? He rose the dead. Rose the dead. That's kind of big one. Okay. What else? He healed the blind. He healed the blind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any others? He rose the dead. He healed the blind. He walked on water. Well, Peter did that too, but it was with Jesus. So you know. <laughs> He fed thousands. He calmed the winds and the waves, right? He he cleansed lepers. He did that as well. That's pretty good. I can do that. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so Jesus spent three years of ministry, three and a half years of ministry, miracle after miracle after miracle, act of God after God act of after act of God. That's a hard word to say. After act of God, right? Why was that so amazing? How often do you think those things happened before Jesus came? No one else. How long had they had the law? A long, time. A long time. They got the law back with Moses, right? How hot was that doing for the Jews so far? All those works, all those sacrifices, right? And where did they, that put them in standing with God? God had to send John the Baptist to preach before Jesus even came. Because they were so messed up and unready to receive a son. The law got no one anywhere but condemnation. Even King David, after committing murder and adultery, had to say, Lord, if there was a sacrifice for these sins, I would give it. But there was nothing. And all he had was a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And by that faith, because he knew who his God was and he trusted in that God, he was justified before God's sight. But you know what's interesting? When Jesus died and rose again, you know what he sent back to his apostles? He sent back his spirit. And when that spirit fell upon them, you know what they went out and did? All those same miracles Jesus did. You think that came from the law? Think that that type of a relationship with God, that the works come and then the miracles? No. It came with God's spirit. Right? The same spirit that you either have in you right now or that you need to realize you need. And just like Abraham, this is a quote from Genesis uh, 15? 6? It's been a while. 615? (laughs) It's, It's been a while. Anyways. Abraham, who God built the the Jewish nation from, who was a a Gentile, uh, uh, from the Ur of the Chaldeans, didn't even have the law. God gave him a promise. And you know what? It says in verse 6, this is all Abraham did. He believed God. He believed God's promise, and it was accounted to him. For righteousness, in all those who likewise put their faith in Abraham, become children of God and children of Abraham through faith. And I want to ask y'all something. This is going to sound kind of crazy, okay? Especially to my hardcore Bible-loving friends like uh, like Vincent over here. It's going to sound real crazy. I've been thinking a lot about my relationship with God, okay? And God's been showing me a lot about the way that He's been so faithful, even. You know, my my fervor to go out and evangelize, haven't had time for it. Okay? My fifteen, twenty minute prayer list on top of just praying throughout the day, haven't really had time for it. All these things that I should be doing, I haven't had time for, which I could have made time. I'm not making excuses, so feel free to judge me right now. Okay. I'll let you do that. crucify me. Yeah. Give us barabbas. Uh I haven't had time. I haven't been inviting people to church. I haven't been doing any of that. And in the last three weeks, I have seen more fruit from God than I have seen in a long time. And it's all his faithfulness. One thing I have had in the midst of my busyness is that personal relationship. That time, though, even though I might not have a rigid schedule, I have a heart before the Lord. And I've shared this already with a couple people that I've cried like three times this week. Just because in my inadequacy, I've been crying out to God and just telling him how good he is and how much I need him and how much none of this has anything to do. with it. Just confessing that, making that a reality because it is a reality. And I've had a peace and a closeness with God that's astounded me, you know. So here's what I a- want to ask you. If you had no Bible if you didn't have the option of spending an hour or 30 minutes or 15 minutes in Bible study in the morning and at night, if you had no church to go to to hear a pastor, if there was no small group for fellowship, if there were no good deeds for you to do, would you still have a relationship with God? Don't answer my dang question. It's rhetorical. Stop it. (laughs) Just think about it. (laughs) No, that's fine. Good. I'm glad I got a lot of yeses. That's encouraging. Okay. what would it be like? Different? That's a very good question, man. Ah, see, I got you with one of them questions. See, I had a backup. You hear that? I had a backup. I know these suckers. What was that? Whole lot of praying. Okay, so think about that. If you did not have those as options, what would your relationship with God be like? Would it be something new for you to figure out? Because it shouldn't be. Because God's spirit doesn't change. And he's the only thing connecting you to the living God. And as g- much as you should be in that word every single day, it's <laughs> if you don't have the spirit, that does you nothing. If you ask a Jehovah Witness, I asked a Jehovah Witness one time, I said, let's say I had cancer, and I'm going to die tonight, and I want to know right now, I want to go to heaven, I want to be saved, what would you tell me? That's about how quiet it was. He said, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Because you have to do this and this and this and you have to do this. And, and if you do all these things, you might be pleasing to God. <laughs> Acts chapter 10. As he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on them because of the gospel they heard and they believed. Amen. If you didn't have those things, would you still have an active relationship with the father would you still understand God's presence would you still hear his voice and do you would you still have confidence that he would hear yours the only way your answer is yes is if those things are already happening and if they're not I'm not here to say well yeah you suck no I'm here to encourage you to ask yourself what needs to change in my life for that to be my reality Because I'm not talking about a biblical principle. I'm talking about something I live. And I'm talking about something that I know many people in this room live. It is the spirit of God that enables all these things. He leads us. He guides us. He connects us. It is God's spirits that does all through us. And as long as we are found pursuing any of this in ourselves, we're actually pushing the spirit aside. And I've it, it there's a <laughs> I've been realizing that there's this fine line between fulfilling God's will and doing our own will that looks real godly. And I think it was um, patience. We were talking in the in the small group the other day, and you know, I, I I'm not a perfect pastor. And so I I may I may <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. So, anyways, Sometimes I preach a little, a little stronger on one side of an issue because I think the other side people just have, and that's not always true. But what I've been seeing is as I'm encouraging people to, 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 you know, make disciples and to preach the word and to do these things, I see people chasing good works as an avenue to get to God rather than chasing God, knowing that through him you will receive good works. Good works are a fruit, not a seed. Amen. Do you understand what I just said? I see a lot of nods, but I'm, I'm a little, okay, okay, okay. Good works are more of a fruit than a seed. Here's the difference, okay? In order to grow a plant, okay, I have to till the ground, I have to plant the seed, to put the dirt back over, I have to water it, I have to come back tomorrow. I have to do all this work and hope that something grows. Right. When's the last time you saw an apple tree working real hard to make some apples? (laughs) You ever heard you ever heard an apple tree out (laughs) there? It's a fruit, right? Right. (laughs) Okay. now, (laughs) trust me, ministry is work, but not in the work. You said if you truly have a relationship with God, the Beatitudes in Matthew five says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Right. If you are filled with God's spirit. He will naturally put you places to be useful. He will fill you up and pour you out on others. And those 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 works, those fulfilling God's will will be a natural outcome. And in that you'll be planting seeds of the gospel and things like that. So don't get me wrong on what I'm saying. Right. But it has to come from a relationship already established with God, because ministry is not about loving people. It's about loving loving God and letting that love run back out through you. has nothing really to do with us past willingness. You know, you know, if you're willing, if you take opportunities, you know, if you're willing, if you're looking for opportunities, but it's really willingness and surrender. Galatians three, eight through the end of what we're going to read today, 14. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Those who are of faith, who simply believe. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. The Bible teaches us that if you break one law, you have broken them all. Which is really bad, by the way. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit. The promise of the spirit through faith. Through faith. Jesus perfected the law for us. He fulfilled it. It's done. It is done. And all the works and all the striving and anything you can do to try and get yourself more justified, what kind of a silly phrase is that, before God, in your deeds, is not going to do anything for you only that which comes from a love and a spirit that he puts within you. Let's pray, guys.